Welcome, everybody, yet another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. If you're all enjoying your day, sweet, if not, what the hell ever. Apologies if you hear background noise. It's most likely my thing going on because it's July. It's blazing hot as I'm recording this. But if you all missed my live stream that I did after Money in the Bank 2023, not too long ago, right after the show went off the air, I did a pretty deep rant on Charlotte Flair because of her booking because her booking is still the same as it was when I made my episode a couple of years ago talking about WWE being way too focused on her. But then I brought up a point saying that John Cena, even when he was on top, had more non-world title feuds in comparison to Charlotte Flair. So I thought, why don't I go through all these feuds to prove it? Because Charlotte has had like three feuds... Since she became the top woman when she became Divas Champion at Hell in a Cell 20... It was either Night of Champions or Hell in a Cell 2015 up until present day. So she's had three non-title world title feuds. Meanwhile, John Cena during his time period as the top guy, which I'm going from WrestleMania 21 up until SummerSlam 2014 when he got knocked off his perch by Brock Lesnar. I'm going in that time period. I'm going to discuss the non-world title feuds he had while he was still technically the top guy, and it's going to prove that you can still be a top guy and not always be hog in the world title picture. Alright? So, to start off, we got 2006. After he lost the WWE Championship in one night stand, he ended up getting attacked by Sabu, and that led to their match at Extreme Rules, or, sorry, at Vengeance, which was going to be an Extreme Rules match, but then it became an Extreme Lumberjack match, so it got upgraded, I mentioned in the three-part series special, it's with all the ECW rosters surrounding the ring. And Cena still beat Sabu via submission with the STFU. So, that's technically a feud because that went on to give him something to do. And who knows what would have happened afterwards if RVD didn't get busted for drugs. So, I mean, who knows what other feuds could be going on after that. Now, he would spend a lot of time as WWE Champion and injuries going around. His next feud that would be a non-world title feud after this wouldn't happen until 2008 after Backlash. Because if you remember at Backlash, there was the Fatal 4-Way Elimination Match. John Cena, JBL, Triple H, Randy Orton for the WWE Championship, and Cena eliminated JBL. That pissed me off, Michael! So that led to the feud between JBL and John Cena. For Judgment Day, there was One Night Stand and the Great American Bash. And they even opened the pay-per-view at Judgment Day. Think about this for a second. Three years prior... These two men main evented the show in 2005 in a, one of the bloodiest matches of all time for their I Quit match. Three years later, at the same pay-per-view name, three, at 2008, they opened the pay-per-view. So yeah, Cena beat JBL for the first pay-per-view match, and then one night stand, they had a first blood match, which Cena won because JBL was chewing on a blood capsule because he quickly bled after having a chain wrapped around his neck. But then JBL won the final match of the feud in the parking lot brawl at the Great American Bash after avoiding Cena's giving him the old fuck you off the stage, instead shoving him off the stage and Cena crashed through a windshield on a car that was right next to the stage. So, that was another one, and that was actually a pretty good feud there. Then a little bit after this, he got into another non-world title feud, and that being against Batista for SummerSlam. Because Mike Adamley's like, oh, we need a big match for the biggest annual party of the summer. Let's put the two top guys like that came up at the same time as opponents for SummerSlam because that was back when Mike Adamley became Raw GM and for a brief period they were actually World Tag Team Champions together when they temporarily dethroned Legacy being Cody Rose and Ted DiBiase Jr. and then they dropped the championships back to the same tag team the following week 
But I mean, it was more of a battle for two guys that became the top guys at the exact same night, never faced each other before, and Cena lost after he got hit with a mid-air Batista bomb because Cena was going for that leg drop, but that herniated disc in Cena's neck. Cena kicked out, Batista knocked him down again, and then hit another Batista bomb to beat Cena. So, I mean, three feuds already, and that one was actually a really good match. And then Cena was going to be in the championship scramble match for Unforgiven for the World Heavyweight title, but had to back out due to his injury. Now, after coming back and with the whole World Heavyweight title stuff that I mentioned in the World Heavyweight title episode, his next feud after this wouldn't be until 2009 when he went up against The Big Show, because Big Show cost him the World Heavyweight Championship at Backlash in Cena's World Heavyweight title defense against Edge, because he chokeslammed... Cena through that spotlight on the stage. So, they had a couple matches, Judgment Day and Extreme Rules. Cena beat Big Show at Judgment Day. And then they had the submission match at Extreme Rules. And they tried selling, saying, hey, Cena may not be able to win because Big Show's too big to put the STF on. Well, Cena did it because he trapped Big Show's like temporarily. They had to cut the camera away from there. Into the ropes as part of the STF and then add a cross face in there. So, he won that throwaway feud. Then you really, well, speaking of more of a throwaway feud, the next one. A little slight bit later on at the Bash, you had John Cena versus The Miz. It's, it felt like they were trying to slightly rehash the Goldberg-Jericho feud that they had in WCW that was kind of on and off. Jericho saying, oh, Goldberg, you've never beaten me. I'm 2-0. No, I'm 3-0 now because you wouldn't accept my challenge. So, yeah, I wouldn't be a forfeit. So they tried the same thing with Cena and The Miz, although with The Miz they had the whole thing of him dressing like Cena, which was weird. And of course, Cena pretty much buried him, because he easily handed Miz's ass to him in about an eight-minute match. And then afterwards, they temporarily banned uh, The Miz from the Summerfest. People get that reference there. Before The Miz then came back with the mask. So it's like, yay, oh, I'm still here. You guys liked the Calgary Kid, woohoo. So yeah, that was another minor throwaway, but it's still a feud. Now, the next one wouldn't be until the next year, and there's a match in there that kind of gives an iffy exception to this, but I'm still going to talk about it in just a moment. The 2010 feud with the Nexus. Because it started around the time of Fatal 4-Way, just before then, because the Nexus completely destroyed the ring. Cena lost the championship thanks to the Nexus at Fatal 4-Way, and then failed to regain the championship from Sheamus in the Steel Cage match winning the bank. So, from then until TLC, feuded with the Nexus. And yeah, there was a championship match at Night of Champions, but that wasn't part of a feud between Cena and Sheamus. So, I mean, technically it's still the feud between Cena and Nexus, where the WWE title was not involved in their feud, really, when you look at it. You have the whole thing of Cena winning with Team Team WWE against SummerSlam right before this, which was a god-awful move. And then later, Cena had to join the Nexus because he lost to Hell in a Cell with Barrett because Michael McGillicuddy, a.k.a. Curtis Axelmania, which I hate that gimmick, and Husky Harris interfered. So Cena begrudgingly had to join the Nexus, and then he got fired because, oh, you didn't help me win the WWE Championship at Survivor Series. Your job is in my hands. So yeah, I've got some bad news, fella. And all that shit. And then that finally ended at TLC when Cena dropped a shitload of chairs on a Barrett who was underneath the table in the stage area. So that finally put an end to all that. And yeah, they had interactions at Royal Rumble, but then that led to Cena Miz afterwards because of what happened with Cena's elimination. So around TLC 2010, Royal Rumble 2011... That put an end to all that, and that did the Nexus no favors. Then Cena was in the WWE Championship picture again, 
And then his next feud that would be non-world title would be a minor one after this, or later on in 2011, for Survivor Series. Because Cena got attacked at Vengeance by Awesome Truth being the Miz and R-Truth. So that caused Cena his WWE Championship match against Alberto Del Rio in the last man standing match. So it's like, hey, I gotta face these two at Survivor Series. Somebody's gotta be my partner. I'm gonna team up with The Rock, who I'm facing at WrestleMania. So that led to a tag team match at Survivor Series. Cena Rock won. Who knows what was going to happen after this, though, because the next night, Truth got sus was written off television because in reality, he got suspended for the wellness policy violation. They wrote him off saying, oh, the Miz turned on him. Okay. And then Cena was supposed to have been at TLC 2011 as part of the WWE Championship match, but he backed out of there, so Ryder could get his title shot at against uh, Dolph Ziggler. So, yeah. The awesome Truth thing was temporary. Well, then we had a different filler feud to fill in between then and WrestleMania. And that was the Embrace the Hate feud in 2012 against Kane. Because Kane was like, Cena, I've got a mask on. You will embrace the hate. Because Cena was like, oh, I'm going to do nothing but rise above hate, which is just like, lame. Why didn't you promote that shit still when Saturday Morning Slam was going on? So then Kane was doing the whole thing like, he's masked, he's a demon again, he's taking out Ryder and burying him on the side trying to get Cena to be pissed off embrace the hate given to the hatred their match at Royal Rumble ended a double countout and then Cena won the following match at Elimination Chamber in an ambulance match after giving Kane the old fuck you off the ambulance to a crash area next to the ambulance and then pick him up and throw him in the ambulance to win so yeah it was a god awful feud which again it was just a filler thing to build up time between wrestling for Wrestlemania and all that then, speaking of WrestleMania, WrestleMania 28, the big feud against The Rock. Because this has been building up since the night after WrestleMania 27. Well, actually since WrestleMania 27, when The Rock cost John Cena his match. And there were some interactions before then, but the night after WrestleMania 27, they announced, hey, WrestleMania 28, these two are going to fight in a dream match. And The Rock beat Cena cleanly. Because Cena was getting arrogant, going to go for the people's elbow, or whatever he would call it himself. But The Rock come with the rock bottom, boom. So, The Rock won that feud for that part, and I don't want to talk about it twice in a lifetime, because less said the better. Then, the next feud was right after this, because the night after WrestleMania, Cena tried to call out The Rock to congratulate him on his win, but who came out and said, Brock Lesnar! Yeah, that's right, Brock was back for the first time in eight years, seemingly was being there a good sport to shake Cena's hand, but then dropped him with the F5 instead. Yeah, the very key you gotta hit to refresh your tab on your computer there. And Cena had to unleash this, this like confidence side of him because of a motivational speech by Edge, saying, wake up or Brock's gonna eat you alive, and Cena won after he clocked Brock in the face with the chain wrapped around his hand and then gave him the old fuck you onto the steel steps to pin him. And yeah, people are like, oh, was that the right move? At least Brock was protected. The only way Cena won because he had to use a chain and then give him the fuck you on the steps in order to beat Brock, and I guess this was probably WWE making Brock give back due to the bad blood that happened with Brock's departure in 2004 and then some legal stuff afterwards, so maybe this was the only way Brock could really get back in the company's good graces. But again, Brock easily recovered. Easily. And then after this was Cena's next non-world title feud against John Laryngitis at Over the Limit, because John Laryngitis felt disrespected by Cena and by a bunch of people who's so like, and over the limit, you're gonna go against me! And John Laryngitis was abusing his power on screen because he was the permanent general manager of both Raw and SmackDown and of course, the executive vice president of Tower Relations. 
So the whole feud was built on Cena going against the despised authority figure with the despised authority figure having his job on the line if he lost. And Cena was, it was easily one of the worst matches ever because Cena was just fucking with him the whole time. It's like, oh, you're getting dumped on by trash. Oh, here's a water bottle down your pants. Oh, you get a fire extinguisher on you. And then eventually Big Show interfered in the end of the match who was on screen fired. But then he knocked out Cena while Cena was going to give him the fuck you. And it's like, oh, Big Show turned heel for the quadrillionth time. And John Laurinaitis wins. And they also fucked up with the build because John Laurinaitis said on screen that any hired employee who interferes will be fired. And yeah, Big Show was fired at this point. But he said the next night that right before the match, he rehired the Big Show under a lucrative contract. And they had to cover up saying no as a verbal agreement first before the match ever happened. And then it was finalized afterwards. So laryngitis fucked up. Well, then this led to the other non-world title feud after this against the Big Show for no way out. And yeah, myself and others, I'm sure we're all in agreement we didn't want to see this happen, but they built the big steel cage match between Cena and Big Show. If Cena won, Laurinaitis is fired, and Cena won after everybody stopped Big Show from escaping, and Cena hit the floor, so Laurinaitis was fired and given the fuck you through the table. Sweet. Well, then he got involved in the WWE Championship again after this, but then at TLC 2012, he had a feud against Dolph Ziggler. Ladder match? Whole thing with going on with AJ and her being unstable and not knowing who to wrap her lips around. So Cena went against Ziggler. Ladder match for Ziggler's Money in the Bank contract, which Vicky Guerrero set up because Vince pretty much pushed her to do it. And thanks to AJ getting involved, Dolph won. So AJ turned heel, cost Cena the match, and Dolph won to win the ladder match and retain his Money in the Bank contract. But then, you wouldn't get another world title, non-world title feud after this until 2014 when Cena went against Bray Wyatt because Bray cost John Cena a shot at the WWE Championship, well, WWE World Heavyweight Championship in the Elimination Chamber match at that name's pay-per-view by getting involved in the match. So, we saw the Cena-Bray Wyatt feud and Bray was on this mission to try to expose Cena for who he truly is. So, that led to the matches at WrestleMania, Extreme Rules, and Payback. So WrestleMania, Cena won because he wouldn't give in to the dark side and smash Bray in the head with a chair. So it's just like if that was a waste of opportunity, although Bray did redeem himself six years later by doing the whole Firefly Funhouse match to redeem that stuff. Then Extreme Rules, they had a steel cage match, which Bray won because Cena was about to escape through the door and then in the spooky child, he's got the whole world in his hands, shit. And Cena's like, oh, this is spooky. Then he turns around, eats the sister of Abigail, and Bray pins him. Then they have the blow-off match of payback. Last man standing, Cena gives him the fuck you through one of those cases that you have over by the stage. Takes another heavy anvil one. Tops it over there so that Bray can't get out because too much weight. So yeah, that, and then afterwards Cena became champion again. And then he eventually lost the championship at SummerSlam. So that was the last world title feud, non-world title feud that he had during that nine-year run where he was the top guy. So you're looking at all that in terms of overall fuse. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 non-world championship feuds that he had over a nine-year period. Yet Charlotte Flair, in almost the same amount of time, has only had about three non-championship non feuds going on. 
it's just like holy crap this is proof if cena can stay relevant on top with 14 non-world title feuds and still be the top guy for the men's division charlotte can maintain like this whole top woman of the division type of status if she has non-championship feuds in there too because again if cena can do it anybody can you don't need to have her in the championship program all the time give us something different please so anyway let me know you all thought in the comment section below out of all the these 14 non-world championship views that cena had during this period that i had talked about in this episode which one was your favorite i mean the stuff was sabu jbl batista big show miz nexus any of those what was your favorite john cena non-world title feud that he had between wrestlemania 21 and SummerSlam 2014 when he was still the top guy of the company so if you enjoyed today's episode folks please remember leave a like subscribe to the bell turn on or like if you're listening on youtube or follow if you're listening to the podcast on any other service that this podcast is available on and i will catch you all in the next episode of the podcast thanks for listening everybody like i'm and subscribe peace out and good day everybody